Hello, and welcome to the In All Seriosity podcast. I'm Patrick Fueling, and this is Matt Mizek, and we are part of the leadership team here at Grace Community Church. Matt, welcome to episode three. Yeah. Our first of hopefully many questions that are going to be submitted by our listeners. And as a quick reminder, uh, to submit questions, please go to our website, which is www.gotgrace.info. And when you go there, there's a tab that says, what do we do? And when you click on that tab, there is an in all seriosity uh, site where you can go and submit your questions and you can do it either with your name or you can do it anonymously. So Matt, this is probably one of the most asked questions since the dawn of time. And that question really is, why does God allow evil and suffering instead of getting rid of it right now? You know, Matt, in fact, I Googled this, uh, this question and there were over 84 million hits alone on this question, which just says a lot about the human condition in general in a sinful world. And also about the uh, specific need that people really have to try to grasp uh, and get an answer on this, uh, this question. And the, uh, the moment that we're living in right now, it, it seems like, and this probably isn't actually true, but it seems like the concepts of evil and suffering are more present right now in our life than maybe 40 years ago, 30 years ago. Um, uh, probably true. And I think a lot of that has to do with just the overall nature of our media. We have not just, uh, you know, news media, but just in general, whether it's social media, whether yeah. it's, you know, phones, computers, et cetera, it's, it's something that all of us seem to have access to and we have access to it uh, almost around the clock. Yeah. Yeah. So Matt, in all seriousness, let's answer the question. Why does God allow evil and suffering in our world instead of getting rid of it right now? Hmm. Yeah. Like uh, Pat just said, this is a well, spoken upon subject. We are certainly not the first people to talk about this, uh, but hopefully we'll be able to answer and, and put at ease maybe a few thoughts uh, that are in each of our minds. So the first thing that really we want to talk about, just really briefly, is the whole problem of evil question or why does God allow evil and suffering in the world, things like that, um, that often gets posed as a question specifically to Christians or followers of Jesus as a way of saying, well, if your God exists, how come all this stuff happens? And certainly we need to answer that question, but also we're not the only people that have to answer this question. Everybody in the world has to have an answer to the question of evil. Why, why do bad things happen in a world? The common answer to that among people who maybe aren't Christians or maybe uh, aren't of any particular faith in general um, is well stated by a man named Richard Dawkins. Hopefully that name is familiar to you probably one of the most famous uh, atheist scholars to ever have lived. And he says this, it's kind of a longer quote, but in his book called River Out of Eden, he gives his answer to evil and suffering in the world. Says this, the total amount of suffering per year in the natural world is beyond all decent contemplation. During the minute that it takes me to compose this sentence, thousands of animals are being eaten alive. Many others are running for their lives, whimpering with fear. Others are slowly being devoured from within by parasites, thousands of all kinds are dying of starvation, thirst, and disease. And it must be so. If there is ever a time of plenty, this very fact will automatically lead to an increase in, in the population until the natural state of starvation and misery is restored. In a universe of electrons and selfish genes, blind physical forces, and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt, other people are going to get lucky and you won't find any rhyme or any reason in it, nor any justice. The universe that we observe has precisely no properties we should expect if there is, at the bottom, no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but pitiless indifference. That's a 
motivational quote if I've ever heard one. Gives me a lot of hope, huh, Matt? <laughs> yeah, gives me the warm fuzzies inside. There's uh, actually there's actually a lot to say about that, and, and we'll do it in a different podcast, just with regard to uh, you know atheism and the belief in God in general. But uh, yeah, it's uh, if that's what your worldview is, it really is uh, something of despair and, and really nothing to look forward to or yeah. for. Yeah, and I don't think it's a good answer. Just I mean, it's essentially saying. Like, you know, that whole thing could be summed up by saying there's random chance in the world. Sucks to suck. Uh, and if you get hurt, it's because of luck. And if you don't get hurt, it's because of luck. And so I don't think that's a very satisfactory answer, but uh, it's certainly one. Uh, it's the leading question or the answer, the leading answer to the question uh, posed to why is there evil in a world uh, by people who don't necessarily believe in God. Um, and so. Yeah, you wouldn't want to say that to like your friend who's going through something. Well, it's random chance. Uh, yeah, some people are going to get lucky. Some people aren't. Yeah, not not the uh, first thing that would come to my mind when we uh, have someone who's suffering or going through these uh, these difficult experiences, uh, for sure. And and again, it, it's putting the onus back on on Christians to answer, which we can. There's plenty of resources to do so. Um, but I would also ask the question back that for for an atheist or someone in this position to really define really what that means and and because there's really no no way you can you know support this where with christianity uh, there is so much more support and there's so many more resource sources that we can answer these questions with which yeah. we're going to continue to get into here yeah and it's not only that but it's that our answers are more i think in line with reality um, than than the answer of somebody like richard dawkins but as we kind of get into this pat i wanted to ask you a question uh, what would you say uh, you know, there's a lot of objections to who God is in the Bible uh, across all sorts of people. And, uh, you know, and what would you say is maybe one of the more common ones that you've heard about, you know, the way that God is represented in the Bible? Well, that he is someone that is always out uh, killing and smiting, yeah. whether it's groups of people or individuals, that he's this moral monster that uh, really just wants to, in some ways, get rid of sin and evil on the spot. Yeah, we yeah. It, there's like this perception that God is a moral monster for what He's done in the Old Testament, uh, because in the Old Testament it seems at least like He responds to evil maybe more harshly or swiftly. I wouldn't necessarily har- say harshly is true, but more on the spot where um, there's a direct action and then there's kind of a direct reaction by God. And so this kind of leads to our our first really key point is that God can't really win when it comes to this issue and uh, in, in in how we talk about it because in the Old Testament, God is swift and decisive oftentimes, not always. He's actually a lot more full of grace than maybe we even think he is in the Old Testament, but he's often uh, swift and decisive in his dealing with evil. And so we see uh, there is evil and suffering in a city like Sodom and Gomorrah. It's just full of nothing like prosperity uh, for all the people. And God deals with that city swiftly and decisively um, by by destroying it, essentially. And so, you know, there's all sorts of examples like that where God deals with evil in real time, it seems like to us. And that's one of the most highly objective or objected parts of the Bible is when God does something like that. And so really God can't win because the question is, why doesn't God act to, to solve evil, to end evil right now? But in the Old Testament, when, when he tried to, tries to do that and does it, uh, that's one of the highest objections raised is, oh, how could God do that? And so really God can't win when it comes to stuff like this.
So Matt, we've talked a little bit about not Christians still really don't have an answer to the problem of evil. Yeah. We've talked a little bit now about God really can't win because he's looked at this in the Old Testament, especially as this uh, moral monster that just wants to continually kill and strike down people. And there's, uh, you know, in our world today, which is very emotive, people are looking, well, where's the grace in that? Where's the, where's the mercy and the love in that? Yeah. Which we'll get to in a little bit. So either way, people are going to be upset. Exactly right. And God still can't win. And uh, that's part and parcel with uh, living in a fallen world, which you know, leads us to the next point, which is God is not the cause of evil. You know, we see in Genesis uh, that God saw everything he made, and behold, it was very good. And everything God created, everything in this world, you know, God created good. So let's talk a little bit about where does evil come into play with this, Matt, and, and how does this take us from those first two points to, uh, to where we're going with, you know, why is, this, why is evil and suffering out there right now? Yeah. So the most helpful uh, analogy that I've heard used to describe uh, this kind of idea between good and evil, did God create evil, is evil even a thing, uh, is used by using the concept of light and darkness. Uh, and so I'm not certainly the first person to use this, um, but uh, Pat, what, like, what is darkness? What, what would you say darkness is? Well, Matt, I think that darkness is just the absence of light. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So you wouldn't, like, it's not possible to install, like, dark bulbs in your house or install um, darkness or something in your house. That's not, that's not even a scientific reality. It's not physically possible because darkness isn't actually a thing. It's simply the absence of a thing. Uh, I don't know, like, Kara gets mad at, my wife Kara gets mad at me all the time. Uh, if I come into the room after she's gone to bed and I have my flashlight on my phone on or something to figure out how to get in bed. Um, or if I open the, the hallway door and there's still a light on in there. I don't know if that's, I'm sure that's happened to you once or twice. But well, a few times. Yeah, 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 just a few. Uh, and what happens is not that the darkness from the dark room, the dark bedroom, creeps out into the hallway. It's actually that the hallway light creeps into the dark room. And so the light absorbs the darkness. The light takes over the darkness. The, the darkness isn't actually a thing. It's just the absence of a thing. I think that that's really helpful to understand here is that evil isn't a created thing. Evil isn't something that has been created by God. It's not something in Genesis 1, 3, or 31, that verse you read earlier, where God looked at everything that was made and said, this is good, and that included evil. Uh, it's not a created thing. It's simply the absence of good or even the absence of God. Um, God didn't create evil. He didn't create this thing called evil that would eventually come into the world, but it's simply the absence of good. And so then the question might be asked, well, how did evil come into the world? Well, it goes back to, again, um, back to Adam and Eve, and it goes back to God giving us a choice and, and Adam and Eve making that choice to choose evil in that case. And so, again, it came in because of us. So, Matt, God gave us the ability to go left and right, to do right or wrong, basically to obey or disobey him. And, and in essence, he, he's given us choices. So let me give you an illustration of um, what we mean by um, how we're the cause of evil and sin. You know, if I set a reminder on my phone at noon every day to say, I love you from my phone, which would be kind of strange, but let's say I did it for uh, explanation. Is that something you do sake. often? Yeah, it is. But uh, of course, now the whole world's going to know about it. But So if I program my phone to uh, tell me it loves me every day at noon, is that really love? 
Um, no, no. Well, why? Why do you think it's not love, Matt? Well, first, it's a phone. Uh, but, uh, I mean, you're programming that to tell it something. So it's not coming from the phone. It's coming from you. Right. And whose choice is it? Well, it's mine, ultimately. Right. So I program the phone, and I programmed it to tell me, say, hey, you love me, or I love you. But that's not really love. It doesn't have a choice, like yeah. you said, and it's just programmed what to do. So it's not real love without the choice to not love. So God didn't program us like robots. And robots basically only have the ability to follow a certain programming methodology, or, or basically they do what someone tells them or programs yeah. them to do. He gave us the choice, though, to love him or not love him, to obey or disobey. And as a result, we're all given this choice to choose, and unfortunately, we, we chose evil. So let me ask you something, uh, Matt. What is the cause of every evil and sinful thing that has ever happened in history? Well, I mean, us. Uh, it, so, yeah, it wouldn't be God. It would be because we chose wrong or we chose sin or evil or whatever you wanted to say. Yeah, yeah. We basically, we, we disobeyed God and, and we chose evil. There's a, uh, an English journalist named Malcolm Muggeridge who, who summed it up this way. He said, the depravity of man is at once the most empirically verifiable fact, even as it is the most intellectually resisted. Yeah. And it kind of sums up uh, our human nature in, in that quote. So, Matt, there's, there's, there's a couple of verses here that just that talk a little bit about uh, us being the problem. You know, the first is Romans 3.23, which, which says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Ecclesiastes 7.20, which says, Surely there's not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. So the Bible, you know, God foreknew this, obviously, and, and the Bible talks about this. But Matt, do you think people realize what they're even asking for when they say, why doesn't God eliminate evil and suffering in this world? No, I don't think they do. I, I think particularly now, there's the notion that evil is this like thing outside of us. That's this like realm out in the universe that like, oh, there's evil out there. When in reality, evil is just only a thing because of us. And so when people say, why doesn't God just get rid of evil and suffering? I mean, what, what ultimately that question is asking us to do is to get rid of ourselves, for God to wipe us off the face of the earth. Because without us, there's no evil. People don't really understand what they're asking for. And there's a story, some of you may have heard this, but there's a guy named G.K. Chesterton who was a theologian from England. And in the early 1900s, I'm not sure if this was around World War One or if this was unrelated, but uh, the Times, one of the most famous uh, newspapers in London, sent uh, a question to a bunch of prominent authors and theologians, and they asked, what's wrong with the world today? And G.K. Chesterton, a uh, faithful follower of Jesus, said uh, this. He responded with this one-sentence essay. He said, dear sir, I am yours truly. G.K. Chesterton. His witty reply is scary and unnerving, and it's unexpected, but it's also very biblical and is a really accurate presentation of, of why evil is a thing in the world. It's also mad at just a re reaffirmation of the Christian worldview about sinfulness of the human race and you know, really the doctrine of original sin. Yeah. Uh, but it, again, it's, it's short and to the point. Yeah. Uh, but it again just sums up again all the problems that stem from one choice that we all make and continue to make every day. Yeah, what I love about that response is I think a lot of us would respond differently to that question, what's wrong with the world today? We would blame the other political party that we don't vote for. We would blame people that commit evil you know, acts that we could all widely recognize. We would blame uh, 
systems or we would blame whatever we want to do. We would blame other people. We would we would never think to look in the mirror, but we would blame everybody except us, really, because everybody else is the problem with the world, and, and I'm certainly not. Um, but what that does is it, it brings us to a humble point of saying, yeah, I, I am... I am just as much a cause of evil in this world as some of the worst people who've ever lived. Um, that evil, even if those people didn't exist, would still exist in me uh, and in my own heart. But the good news is that God is doing something about it. Maybe not on the timeline that we would want, maybe not in the way that we would want, but certainly in the, the best way possible. Because God ultimately enters into the world to suffer himself so that evil will be no more. No matter what anybody would like to say, no matter how angry anybody is about the problem of evil and, and injustice in the world, which we certainly ought to be upset about, nobody can even come close to the anger or the um, the heartache that it brings God, because God actually does something about it. Uh, he enters into the world to suffer so that evil will be no more. It seems like God allows evil and suffering in to take place in our world. But that is not the end of the story, and it's certainly not the main point of the Bible. That would be like reading, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings and stopping after the first book. Uh, the main point of the Bible is that God is a God who is entering into our humanity, our sinfulness, our, our, our uh, selfishness, our uh, hatred for one another. He's entering into that world and redeeming it through himself. That he's not allowing evil permanently, that even though this world is messed up and broken, that he is not going to allow the, the status quo to remain the status quo, and that he's certainly not turning a blind eye uh, to the problems in our world. And that one day he will eliminate evil from our world, he will eliminate evil from our hearts, that he will defeat uh, all of the, the um, powers of darkness in our world. And that those will put, who put their trust in, in Jesus and follow him will experience a world of no pain, no suffering, no death, and no evil. Uh, because we do not have a God, like Hebrews 4.15 says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and did not sin. We see in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, it says this, He himself has borne our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. No matter what any of us think about evil and suffering, no matter how angry we are about it, none of us can even compare to God's frustration and anger at the problem of evil in the world. But unlike us, no matter our best efforts to donate to charities and to pursue righteousness and justice in the world, which are all really good things, God's actually doing something uh, about it, about the question of, of evil and suffering in the world. He's doing it by suffering himself. On the cross, we see that God suffers at the hands of evil. And in this suffering and his resurrection, he actually destroys evil by suffering it. And evil is not something that he wills into existence. Again, like we talked about earlier, but it's something that he wills out of existence and he will do. God uh, may currently be allowing brokenness and evil and sin into our world and to exist right now, but he will not allow these things to uh, be permanent. And even more so, Jesus himself enters into our humanity, our broken humanity, think about this, experiences the full weight of evil and sin in the world, is separated from the Father when he himself had no sin. 
but he experiences the whole of the worst of humanity in order to redeem it, in order that evil and sin will be no more. And Matt, that, that's what the hope of the gospel is, and that's what encourages us, and that what is what gets us through these tough times when we all face suffering, which we all do and will at some point in time. Uh, so tough question today, Matt, hard question to answer, but yeah. uh, there's a lot of hope at the end uh, in, in what Jesus has done for us. And so you know, to summarize, the, the Christian worldview emphasizes that though the world was made holy and good by a holy and just God, the earth went into decline the moment man rebelled against God. Like a virus, sin just infects and distorts everything that's part of God's order, marriage, business, government, school, you name it. It just it causes everything to be affected in a, in a negative uh, and hurtful way. And since that decline in, in all cases is heart deep and, and is all because of us, and it's so comprehensive in scope, we just need a corrective action that is equally comprehensive in its scope. And that is exactly what God's plan of redemption through Jesus accomplishes through his death and resurrection on the cross. So uh, we thank you for being with us today and look forward to the next time. Uh, again, thank you for joining us for this episode of In All Is Seriosity. As we discussed earlier, please submit your questions and comments at our website, which is www.gotgrace.info. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it and be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please take a moment to rate and review. For more information about Grace Community Church, please check us out at www.gotgrace.info. Until next time. Until next time.